A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and this is Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. This week, psychotherapist Richard Hogan is back in the pod. When an affair is revealed, I think it destroys the myth that marriage is the great notion that one person can satiate all of the needs, right? And so when, a, when an affair is, you know, revealed, I think it shatters that great romantic notion. Originally from Douglas and Cork, he lives in Dublin with his wife and their three daughters. He specialises in working with families and he writes a weekly column with the Irish Examiner and he often appears on TV and on radio. He's also written two brilliant books, Parenting the Screenager and his most recent one, Home is Where the Start Is. And during this conversation, he talks about affairs, why people have them, the heartbreaking impact of them on a relationship, and if it's possible to heal after betrayal. Here it is. The last time we spoke, it was about anxiety, particularly yeah. in children. And we were talking about, you know, kids getting the smartphone and the whole world of online that opens up to them and the impact of that. But this conversation is is a different one. We're going to focus in on adult relationships and the negative impact that an, aff- an affair can have, but also those who can come out the other side of it. So this is something that isn't often discussed publicly because I suppose it's uncomfortable for a lot of people to talk about. It's a taboo. There's no doubt about it, um, um, but it's working in my clinic and, you know, talking with couples all the time and, do, and doing couples work. It's very much um, a, a corrosive experience that's it's it's unspoken about. Uh, it's the biggest cause of marriage failure, let's say, and breakdown, and it causes incredible pain for people on both sides of this now, and I would see it in both sides. And uh, yeah, and it is a taboo, but, and, and this is a tough conversation to have, but it's a very important one to have. And it's, I suppose, you have experience of it in the sense that you yourself discovered in your 20s that your dad was having an affair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I've only mentioned that. I only said that recently when I was writing my book, Home is What the Start is. Um, I, I put that narrative into it because, it, you know what, it really disturbed my thinking for a long time. It gave me this unshakable belief that people let you down, um, you know, and that people will let you down. And it took me a long time to figure out about fidelity and truth and honesty and all that kind of stuff. And I had a lot of work to do myself, you know, uh, and that, that, that was something that really fundamentally shook the core of my kind of being. But I can only imagine. Yeah. The reality is plenty of people will be the victim in it, I suppose, or the person yeah. who has caused the pain, even though I know there's plenty of ingredients involved. Somebody doesn't mm. just you know, decide to have an affair perhaps for no reason or do they? I don't know. I don't know enough yeah, about no. it if I'm totally honest. No, it's really interesting. And I suppose the reason, as I would see it now clinically, why do people have affairs, right? And mm. I would think, because, a, a you know, I think this is the first thing, Sheila, we all start off with an affair. We all start off in an affair. When you think about it, we all start off, we're generally not living together. We're separated by distance. And then when we're, we get together, it's kind of like, you know, passionate and it's, it's emotional and it's just incredible in those first moments of being with somebody, you know, and it might be your first of doing things with people and all that kind of stuff and feeling love for somebody else outside your family. That's an affair to me. That's a real affair. That's what affairs are. This burst of intensity, this burst of freedom, this burst of like, you know, passion. So we all start to offer relationships in, a, in an affair in some ways, I think. And then I think what happens, particularly in relationships, is that we get caught bogged down in familiarity and we get bogged down in routine and we get caught almost being like ships passing in the night. And, um, and I think that's what kind of kind of kind of creep into a into a relationship. And and that's something that we must work at avoiding happening to us, because I think somebody can come into your orbit, especially with social media. Right. Somebody can come into your orbit and they can reconnect you with a past self. That's what I think really. Why are people vulnerable to affairs? That's what I think they're connecting to a, a time of freedom, a time of when they were younger, a time of vibrance, a time of energy. Right. And I think that's it, often in my experience working clinically, it's not about the person that they're cheating on. It's not that the person that they don't find them attractive anymore, or that they don't like them anymore. It's about that they've been reconnected to something about themselves that they've lost. And that's okay. an important kind of thing to think about. And I think we can lose ourselves, you know, especially when we're in a relationship. And then when we bring children in, I think we can really lose our identity. You know, mm. I, I was definitely a person on my own for a while, Richard Hogan. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, you're right. I don't think anything changes your identity like having a child. Yeah. You know, and and then the the responsibilities of that and the routine that's required for that and the divesting of like, you know, chores and all that kind of stuff. And so by your mid 40s, I think you can you can really life can become incredibly, you know, routine and banal and just predictable. And that's a really not a great place for us to be in as human beings. And I think somebody could come into your orbit and show you a little bit of spontaneity and show you, you know, and it can seem kind of childish because it, it probably is a bit childish. Somebody can show you something about yourself um, that you lost and you just get, you know, you just get, as they'd say, the modern kids, you get your head turned. You get your yeah, head yeah. turned by somebody, you know. And is there an age that is particularly that you're most particularly vulnerable or maybe a stage in into a relationship? Because, you know, they talk about the seven year itch. Yeah. You know, and uh, <laughs> some people just think it's it's a bit of nonsense. Others think, oh, actually, there's something in that, because at seven years into a relationship, you've been together quite a while that, as you said, maybe it is getting a little bit safe. Well, or a little seven bit year boring. itch. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, you're dead. You're, you're dead right. What I would say, what what I've seen clinically. Yeah. Right? What I'd think that's because that's all I can really give. What I see mm. clinically is forty, kind of five to fifty-two. I would always see as the danger years. Okay. Yeah, that's what I would see now over the course of many years of working with couples and affairs and relationships breaking down, relationships thriving through it. I would see 45 to 52 would be the danger years. And when I look at that and I'd say, well, why is that? And I would say, because when we're in our 40s, we're generally trying to drag our career to to a place. Our parents are elderly. Our kids are probably adolescents, more than likely. They're not, they're not relying on us as much as they were. And so, you know, all of these things, and I think for women in particular, you can take on so much and you, you can do everything. You know, you want to be this people pleaser and you're pleasing everybody. And your again, mm. your parents are elderly and you're doing all this good daughter, good mother, good wife, good sister stuff. And so I think you can be vulnerable because you lose contact with the person who means the most to you. That's your partner, right? You lose contact with each other. And again, that distance is very dangerous. You can start living like ships in the night. And then also, you know, if we're being honest, intimacy drops off, right? And your libido, let's say, might drop off. And you might even, if you're a woman, going through the menopause and there's loads of biological things going on there for you that I think is another taboo that we need to kind of get over and talk about. It's better than it's ever been, but it's still, I don't want to talk about those things, biological issues that go on for people. It's a very important conversation. And so libido might drop down. And I have a lot of people who would contact me around that idea that a woman would say to me, you know, my libido's gone. I don't, I don't really want to sleep with my partner anymore. I'm worried he's going to have an affair. You know, I, I get asked those questions a lot. And what should I do? Right. And so there's so there's so much of like, you know, ingredients going into us feeling bad about ourselves. We, our bodies mightn't be what we want them to be and we mightn't feel as attractive as we'd like to feel. And uh, and then someone comes along and makes you feel attractive. Yeah. Someone yeah, comes yeah. into your orbit, you know, someone reconnects with you on social media or someone connects with you on the street or you're on the train and someone starts talking to you. You know, and they start to make you feel, God, I actually have something in myself that somebody might actually find attractive still. And it kind of, you know, fires up all those early feelings. I think that's where we're vulnerable. I think 45 to 52, because I think after that, I think maybe we get, we become more comfortable in ourselves. I think our 40s are really hard. I think our 40s are where we're most unhappy in our lives, Sheila. The really? data would say, yeah, the data would okay. say 47.2 is where we're most unhappy. And in my experience, talking with people, people in their 50s are happier and people in their 60s are much happier, right? And that's okay. the reality. That's what I would definitely see as kind of like, you know, absolute data there. And you kind of go, geez, you're 40s, you're still young. Why the hell are you so unhappy there? And I said, there's so much going on for you there. There's so much in your life. There's so much going on. And then you're, I think, a huge part of this is being disconnected from the person that you set out in this romantic journey with. And mm. I think that's what, that's what an affair illuminates it's such a complicated thing when an affair is revealed i think it destroys the myth that marriage is the great notion that one person can satiate all of the needs right and so when a when an affair is you know revealed i think it shatters that great romantic notion and i think the person who's the victim let's say of the affair can feel incredible you know, I mean, really deep stuff like, did he, I'll just say, from this, I'm just working off the stereotypes in my clinic. Did he mm. ever love me? Was it ever real? You know, um, mm. when he said that to me, was that true? I don't know the person that I'm with anymore. I don't seem to kind of like, you know, am I attractive to him anymore? How could I, how could this come into our lives when we built all the, but the big thing is like, that I'd say it's like, a, it's like an existential crisis. Did he ever, did they ever love me? You know, and, 
that's a huge thing to ask yourself after building a family with someone. Did they ever really love me? It's very sad. It's terribly sad. Very sad. Oh my God. I mean, the pain of an affair. I don't know if I've ever, and I'm kind of actually feeling it myself as I'm talking to you. I don't know if I ever really experienced in my clinic that kind of, of course, I've, I've worked with grief and I've worked with terrible situations. But just to see someone's whole life being questioned and saying that was all fake, somehow that wasn't real. That mm. is profoundly sad. And so some people don't recover. People don't recover out of it. And it took me a yeah. long time personally to work out that idea that not all people are, are, are you know, are going to let you down. Not all people will, you know, cheat on you and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That, that fundamentally, I don't know, cracks your kind of psychology, I think. Yeah, because if you're a trusting person as well, I suppose, you know, who are you going to trust most? The person you decide to be with, whether you, whether you, you know, you walk up an aisle and actually marry or you share your lives together. If you're betrayed like that, the trust is, is not necessarily over, but it's certainly, it's certainly, um, it takes cracked, a lot of well work. cracked. You know, yeah. Oh, it's well cracked and it takes a lot of work, but I've seen it. Is the good news. I have seen couples come out of this thing. I have seen couples thrive in a way. And so and what, I, what I'd often hear them talking about and what I'd often talk to them about is whatever was in that relationship up to this point, that's not the relationship you're going to have now. That relationship yeah. is over and whatever was in there, something led to this thing, this event happening. And so what's what's happening now is a different relationship. And that reset can often be really exciting for a couple that got caught in a routine and got caught in the, you know, the chore, the banality, the regularity of life. They got caught living a kind of a life where they were just ships passing each other. That can be a real moment of like a reset. And often I think as well, you know, sex is like death's antidote. You know, it's like it's the it's the defeater of death in some ways. And so it can be kind of exciting when you think that this relationship is nearly finished. You know, it's nearly it's nearly died here. It can be a rejuvenation of the whole relationship. You know, and that that can yeah. happen. But what what I often think is important for your listeners, if anyone here has had an affair, let's say, and they're they're, they're building the relationship back, a key thing is that you don't look for forgiveness and and to move on too quickly. You allow the person to forgive you at their at their time and mm. their ability of processing what's happened in their life because something dramatic has happened in their lives, and you have to acknowledge that and allow them to experience all of that pain uh, at at their pace. Because, of course, if you've had an affair, you know, and you've seen the pain it's caused someone, you want you want that pain to be gone, right? Yeah. Because you've caused it. And you might rush to look for forgiveness. You might rush to look for, let's move on now, we're fine now. And that can often be the kind of the seeds of, of the disintegration because the person isn't ready to move on. The person isn't ready to forgive. And it's really important that you listen to somebody because I've sat in my clinic and I've heard so many incredible people, and particularly women, I have to be honest, and say, you know, and I'd hear that these are kind of conversations that I've heard composite of them. Don't you think I could have had an affair? Right. Don't you think mm-hmm. that, you know, people show me attention, but I wouldn't betray you because I love you and I love the children and I wouldn't betray the children or, or, and I wouldn't betray the life that we had. Do you not think, you know, do you not think I could have done that? It's a really yeah. important conversation to have, like, you know, and to allow it that. Is, and I would imagine very difficult for the other person oh, to hear because that's like a knife in the heart stuff. Yeah. But very, but it's very true. Very true. Anybody can have an affair. Let's be honest. Sure, Anybody of can have an affair, right? It doesn't mean, and that's a bit of that as well. You know, a bit of that is, and I think that's the childish aspect of it. Is a bit of that is thinking, oh my god, aren't I? You know, someone's showing me a bit of interest, isn't, isn't that? That's a bit of the childish aspect of an affair. Because I think there is a bit of a childish aspect to it. You know, you're living in this moment and you're doing something hedonistic just in this moment. You're not thinking. 
of the, the collateral, of the damage, the, the, the absolute fallout that this thing can bring into your life. And I would imagine the majority of people, or if anyone at all, could ever say, oh, I'm glad I went through with that. I would, would imagine if they care about the relationship, the primary relationship, anyone who's actually had the experience of an affair would say if they could go back in time, they might do things differently. Mm, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. I've, I've never, in all my experience, and I suppose people mightn't come to therapy for this, but I've never heard anyone say I had an affair and it was actually a very positive experience. Yeah, sure. I've never heard that. And as also for the person who, let's say, and there's plenty of, of people like this who have affairs with men, let's say, and have affairs with women, but generally a, a younger girl might have an affair with a guy, and I work with girls like this, right? And they'd say to me that they feel it's kind of exciting to be outside social mores. It's exciting to be outside social norms. And all that. You, you, you know, you're not going to get married to this person. It's kind of exciting. And you're. And I would always say, and I, and I trace it back to the genogram because they think it's exciting. They think that they're, you know, free will and all this kind of stuff. What I'd actually show them is there's an incredible a dent in their self-esteem there to allow right. themselves to be kind of used like this, you know, to be the other woman, let's say. There's there's generally a very a negative experience through childhood where they don't value themselves. They only see themselves as potentially, and they'd say, well, I'm more attractive than the wife. There's the things I would have heard, you know, I'm more desirable than her. And then when I strip it down and I show it through their genogram, they come to terms with actually there's an incredible insecurity here. And it's about mm. me not valuing myself or not believing that I am somebody worthy enough to have a an intimate relationship with someone who values me and who will actually bring this relationship forward to something that's actually, you know, meaningful. Mm. I know men would have more affairs, but of course they yeah. have to have affairs with women. So it's probably uh, the stats are probably, but the stats would say that men have more affairs. Right. And I know I've heard the difference between, you know, a physical affair and an emotional affair and how that <laughs> stereotypically a woman can view, you know, a one night stand. She might actually get over that quicker than she would a deep emotional connection yeah. that her husband may have with another woman rather mm. than you know when he went out one night and he got absolutely hammered and he had a one night stand she'd actually find that perhaps easier quicker to get over and that the flip is true for the male well is that true? i think 
Well, I think personally it is true. I think having a one night stand is a lot different than having a ho- going on a holiday with someone, building a life with somebody else and having all these experiences. I think there's that's two different levels of deception there, right? I do think that. And I do. I just want to come back because that's a, so, it's so interesting what you said there, Sheila, right? Uh, and I think there's this notion that women only have affairs because they want to be connected to somebody emotionally. And men have affairs because that's what bloody men do. And they're like the meat-eating, testosterone-driven, you know, sexually charged guys. They can't help it because that's in their genes to reproduce and procreate. Right, all of that's crap, right? Uh, Women have affairs because they're sexual. Um, Shock horror. Women actually like having sex too. And I think that's a bit of the taboo around it. My God, imagine that. Women would like to actually to be sexual. Um, that's horrifying for us Catholic Ireland to think <laughs> that women might have quick, quickenings and lusts and all the rest of it. Of course they do. And men have affairs because they have the same feelings and, and they're driven by the same desires. So this idea that the emotional side is only, it's all rubbish. It's all, again, another way to diminish women as in that they're not sexual. Of course they, they are. And there's nothing wrong with being a sexual, you know, living human being. That's a good thing, right? But it's how you manage it let's say and if you yeah and that's the key thing that that's that those ideas aren't true and i do think there's a huge difference massive difference between somebody it's it's not that the one night stand doesn't cause huge problems it does and someone can feel incredible pain by their partner going on a business trip let's say and having an affair with someone in the hotel in the reception or that you know that can cause incredible pain but I do think there's a different level of deception when someone is going on a holiday with somebody and they've been doing it for, you know, two years and they're pretending they're working late and they're going for a meal. And that's that's another level of, I think, of deception and, and kind of like behavior that I think causes huge problems to come back from. The other one I've heard of is the purely emotional affair, the affair mm-hmm. that isn't sexual. That yeah. say is... So a guy again, here's and the thing. a work colleague that they become extremely close on an emotional <laughs> level. <laughs> Change your job straight away. Is that an affair? Is no. that an affair? Well, you see, that's this is what is I'm going to say. What, what, well, what's so interesting, the affair, Sheila, itself is outside definition. What do we mean? Sexting? That could be an affair, right? It's a betrayal, you know, isn't it? Well, it, it, it is a bit betrayal having an emotional conversation. With, so what, if, you know, for me, I, when I think about affairs, it's the intersection of the emotional and the sexual. That's what I think about an affair. Okay. Um, an, aff- an affair, that's how I think about an affair is it's the intersection. And it can be just physical, you know, but generally there's it, it's more complicated than that. And so and again... I suppose anything that you would be uncomfortable, like I suppose if your partner was to walk in on you with this other person, either speaking or, you know, having sex, obviously, that <laughs> they might be uncomfortable with. I suppose it's that asking yourself. Yeah, am I, yeah if, would, I, would I be talking at this in front of my wife? Kind of That kind of idea. Yeah. I get that. But I suppose what I'd say is what's so complicated about the affair is that it, it's outside definition itself. And that actually makes it, actually, it's a kind of a paradox, it makes it even more alluring. The idea of an affair itself is kind of somehow exciting. You know, what, what is it? And you're secretive and nobody knows what you're doing. You're outside, you're outside social norms. and No one knows you're meeting this person for a quick treat up here in this bedroom and all that. That's exciting. That's going to fire all the reward centers of your brain. And so the idea of what the hell is an affair? What do we mean by an affair? Is it having sex with someone? Is it emotional, like you're saying? Is it texting somebody? Is it sending a picture of somebody? Is it a one night stand? Is it going for a massage and getting a happy ending at the end of it? I mean, what do we mean by an affair? I think that's fascinating right. and it's, it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, 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 yeah. That it's outside definition in some ways. 
And I suppose a conversation like this is actually really important for anyone in a relationship, whether you have had an experience of an affair in whatever form or not. I suppose to be aware that none of us are immune to the dangers of it happening. But actually, if we then take this information and pour it into our primary relationship, into the relationship that we're in with the person that we love, then we can give that person avoid. maybe the attention yeah. and avoid a situation avoid perhaps. misery. That's yeah. the key thing. Avoid. And it's such a I was thinking that word in my head as you were speaking, immune. None of us are immune to this thing. And it can happen at any time in our lives. We think once we hit 50, maybe we're finished and that's the end of our sexual life. That's not true at all. And mm. so I've worked with many people who are in their 60s who are having affairs and are planning on leaving their partner, all that kind of stuff. So we're not immune to it. And the key thing here is prevention. Because... You yeah. know, it can happen to any of us. But if we if we work at a relationship, why do we get into this relationship with the person that we're with? This is what I do in my clinic, right? When people come for couples therapy, they come in drenched in all the stuff that they don't like about each other, right? And they can't wait. They're kind of going, they're kind of thinking, I'll get him on side. I can see it. You know, kind of hire Richard. They're sitting down there. They're waiting to go and say, you know, well, she has just a nag and she's she tells me to take the bins out. I can see them ready to go, you know. And just yeah. before they get going, I'd say, Sheila, do you mind me asking you, what did you see in Richard when you first met him? All right. And, uh, no, that's not what I wanted to talk. I didn't want to talk about that. I wanted to come in and say, Richard's a feckin' pain in the arse. He's useless. He doesn't do a tap. When they come into the clinic, they come in waiting to kind of bash each other. And when I ask them that, you know what I do is I reconnect them with an earlier narrative about what yeah. they saw in each other because we can lose that, you know, mm. so quickly. But we saw something incredible in this person. We decided to have children with this person. That's the person we've decided. And of course, of course, relationships end. Right, of course, relationships break down. But if we're a little bit more aware of what it was that we loved about the person, that we were attracted to the person, and we put that energy into the relationship and we didn't allow ourselves to become ships in the night. And, you know, she you know, something I'm always really conscious about with my own wife is that we go out once a week, once a week if we can, you know what I mean? Sometimes we can't. And we kind of don't talk about the kids. It's kind of like, you know, let's just, let's yeah. just be us, Richard and Erica, guys who kind of, got together and they're like you know early early life and all that kind of stuff let's talk about when we were kids and let's not talk about you know the kids and you know and let's not always just be, easy no no and of course it slips in and say oh jesus wasn't hannah gorgeous today ah, yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Ah, you go. yeah 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 she was but let's stay let's stay here and you know and just trying to do little things spontaneous together and trying to just keep the relationship and i'm not saying it's perfect there's no perfect relationship but just trying to keep connected to each other and that's the key thing mm. you know and I, I'd often use that image the line I'd often say the line is a bit out you know I'd often think that image of us being se- separated by distance the line's a bit out and we use that as a couple together to yeah we pull it back in again a little bit and uh, you know it's, it just keeps you keeps you together and it keeps you kind of like thinking about what I liked about that person, what I found attractive about that person. Mm. The person is the person who gave me these incredible kids and my God, we're building this incredible life together. It's not perfect. It's not brilliant all the time. It's it's full of pressures and all the rest of it, like everybody else. But we're more, in te- we're intentional about it, that we don't lose sight of ourselves, that we're not ships in the night. And that's a key thing because that's the antidote. That is the antidote because if someone comes into your orbit who reconnects you with an earlier self, it's not a frenzy in your head because you're getting it at home. It's not a frenzy. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm connected with this. This is amazing. Someone's making me feel like I'm beautiful again and blah, blah. So it's not, you're, you're not like that. You're not frenzied around it. And understanding, I suppose, that we all go through, um, you know, ebbs and flows. And absolutely. even in terms of our libido, and you mentioned it yeah. there for women, whether oh, it's perimenopause, well, menopause, well, yeah. different things. And men, of course. Yeah. So it's not always going to be high octane as it was no. perhaps in the early days of a relationship. No. 
but there can still be plenty of fire and plenty of passion. Yeah. I suppose it really, if there is, if there's effort as well and desire, but even if desire is gone or you feel like, God, I've switched off, it's possible to get it back. So spark yeah. doesn't always have to remain unlit. You can actually no, reignite exactly. it as well. Just something I'd see a lot with couples, just a little tip, because what you're saying is so, it's so absolutely on it, right? What I'd see a lot is with, with particularly women that I work with, they'd say, my husband never tells me I'm beautiful, right? He'd never tell me I look good or he'd never say that dress is gorgeous on you. And what I noticed there is like, and I put it in the book about, you know, love language. We all speak yeah. a different love language. My la- my yes. wife laughs at my love language. My love language is definitely having food ready to go to eat when they come home. I'm like, oh my God, someone loves me in the world, right? That wouldn't bother. If I was coming home and she was, I had caviar and everything waiting for her, she'd be like, whatever you lose her, right? That wouldn't be her love language, right? Yeah, yeah, Spending yeah. time together and that, like, no, that would be her love language. But for some people, mm. gift giving is love is a real love language, but also words of affection and affirmation. That's a huge thing. And so for a lot of women, I think, you know, hearing you're beautiful, God, you look stunning. It's such a small thing. And I work with, you know, men in my clinic and say, you know, what do you think your wife's love language is? And they never, they do, what do you mean by love languages? And I, and, I, and I explain that, that your wife has a way of perceiving love and you have a way of perceiving love. And if you got a little bit more fluent in your wife's language, I think between you, you'd have a, a much more connected life, you know. And it's I'm really a, glad it's you mentioned thing. it. I suppose I was trying to figure out my own initially. Uh, I know mine now is, 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 is definitely, you know, quality time. That's, that's, mm. that's, that's it for me. And um, I'm pretty sure that 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 my other half is acts of service because I just know the reaction when I do certain things or yeah. help or whatever. Yeah. It's it just it's it's it, it, it lights it. It, yeah it lights them up it and lights it's great. A fire. Exactly, it's yeah, funny. Exactly. It's funny when you see it, isn't it? It is. It's brilliant. So and it's true. I suppose if you want to have a fulfilled relationship that gives you what you want, you got to learn what the other person wants and exactly. And I suppose work towards uh, their needs as well, because the, the happier they are, the happier they're going to make you. I mean, I'm simplifying it because it's not this is a very charged conversation. People will be mm. listening to this, perhaps are attracted to it, who are themselves trying to navigate the, the you know, the debris after after oh, um, an affair, which is, you know, devastating. But it's great to hear that those who want to, and I suppose it is an act of choice on both parts, People can heal and move on. So even though trust has been damaged, you can get it back. You can. You can, absolutely. And, and often, It's different. It's different, but often what I've seen is the relationship might even be stronger at times. You know, that's what I've, I've, I've noticed, that they've experienced this incredible disruption to their lives and the pain has been absolute, been portrayed like that as a, an absolute brutal experience right and the debris is still in my life from a child growing up and finding my you know that experience that's definitely something that's still in my life and I'm still trying to figure it out and how, how I reacted to it and how I think about it and all that um, and and so but we can work out of it and that's the key thing and a, a really important thing is having a good clinical conversation around your feelings and, what, and around like you know do you want this relationship to go forward really important questions Bad questions to ask, you know. I don't know if you ever watched Friends, you know, and Ross has a one night stand. You know, you ever watch that scene? It's one oh, of the yeah. famous scenes yeah, of Friends. Yeah, 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 that's right. Ross and the Xerox girl, you know, and Rachel finds out because, you know, and Gunter tells her because he loves her. And so yeah. they're having a fight in the sitting room and the, uh, the rest of the friends are sitting in, in the bedroom listening to it. And Rachel says, was she good? Right. And Ross says, well, she was different. No one likes change. You know, there's a lot of comedy in that, right? But those kind of questions, when, where, where did you do this? And, what, mm. what was it like? They're not they're not productive kind of conversations. The real conversations you want to have is like, you know, do you value this relationship? 
do you want to go forward with this relationship? What will this relationship look like now going forward? Right. These are really important kind of questions to ask somebody, because if you get cut down on the kind of the CD details, it's only going to provoke all sorts of anger and rage and all that kind of stuff. And so there's a bit of there's a bit of moving past that stuff to kind of asking, what will our relationship look like now? How mm. why do you value? Why do you value the relationship? What was in the relationship that you felt you had to go outside it? Why do you think that won't be in the relationship going forward? How will the relationship be different now? These are really like these are really important questions that you'd ask somebody who's had, who's who's done this, you know, and perpetrated this yeah. and brought this into your life. And what I've noticed, what I've really noticed, you is couples sitting there together, and you see that old fire between them. Renate, you see that interest in each other because that's a hard conversation to have. And there's maybe a bit of respect growing between them again. And the person that they thought that they had an affair on, and they're hearing them asking them these questions, these really hard questions. But there's fire in those questions because there's, there's a desire to keep the relationship going. And that's yeah. incredible courage. And, and there's loads of strength in that. And so I, I can see them reconnecting with each other that they lost along the way. And at times I can see them, I, I can see it really, you know, coming out of that and thriving. Wow, that's really powerful. And I suppose it would give people listening, perhaps who are in in that stage right now of trying to navigate it, maybe mm. some hope that actually they that can happen for them also. And I'm just wondering about those questions that are about the kind of the, the gory the details. As yeah, well. yeah. Is that just a kind of a, is that a torturing? Is that a torturing of the person who is the victim in it and trying to also torture the person who has actually caused the pain as it were by asking those questions? Yeah, it, it is a kind of a, a morbid, maybe kind of curiosity about what happened. You know, it's like slowing down to watch the the skeletal remains of a car crash or whatever it's kind of like it's it's not going to be beneficial for you watching no. looking at that scene you know it's never going to make you feel good and people might say well it gives me some information so i can work past it i would say in my experience working clinically i've never seen those i've never i've never heard those conversations go well you know but i've heard the other ones and i've and i've seen those questions really help people to move towards a healing and that's what you're looking at healing but healing. building the life and so knowing that it's not the same relationship as it was and that can be exciting it's a new relationship. Starting now from this point, we're never going to be those people again. We're starting a new relationship. And that can be exciting. Hmm. And I think that can be the bonding thing. That can be the healing thing, you know. And it's important to have conversations like this because it's happening. It's happening to a lot yeah, of people. I don't know what the, the figures are, but it's more common than probably people realize or even think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it is a lot more common than people realize. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it brings incredible misery. And then as well, down the line, you know, your kids become aware of it and, and all of that kind of stuff. And it's so destructive. Mm. It is just so destructive. So if you can avoid it, that's obviously preferable. But if it's already yes. happened, repair is possible if it's what Repa- if Repair it's what is possible. And, if, and, and again, as I'm saying, if, you know, people leave relationships that's that's a normal part of of relationships as well. Not all relationships work out. My point would always be be as honest as you can in that, you know, and be as forthright and open about you know your feelings as, as possible. And people would often think they're going to an affair because the relationship is bad. And I would say, well, maybe it's time to really look at that relationship and not think about the affair. And maybe maybe it might be about bringing the relationship to a conclusion. But at least you do it in a way that's dignified for you and for the person that you're with and because the yeah. other way is chaotic and it's it's not it's not, there's no dignity in that one and that and that's the kind of the, the, as a family therapist that's what i'd see problems there for for everyone in that orbit of the affair 
Richard, it was enlightening as always. Thank you so much. Great Thank talking you so to you. so much, Sheila. Great talking to you too. If you connected with Richard, you can check out his previous episodes here, one from last summer and another from earlier this year where he spoke about anxiety, particularly in kids and in teenagers. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to Ready To Be Real. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.